young people are, are really reliant on their influencers and the people who they get that information from. And you know, when 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 myself, I, I, you know, I'd struggle to say things like that and tell them the full kind of range of careers. Then you can see how people who who would have no idea now how again that then becomes a, a a challenge for a young person who who doesn't know what they want to do and doesn't know what jobs are even out there And welcome back to the My Career Story podcast with me, your host, Steve Key. Now, by the time most of you listen to this new podcast, 
the winners of the 2020 Business Book Awards will have been announced. And as a self-confessed bookworm, when I was asked to judge the exceptional book that promotes diversity category, two of my passions were combined. And since selecting the winner alongside my fellow judges, my own ambition to become a published author has only been fueled further. And as best-selling author and business thinker Seth Godin succinctly put it, the book that will most change your life is the book that you write. Which brings me to today's guest, Graham Sykes, Head of Agency at 1419. Now, for over 25 years, Graham has been using his youth marketing expertise to help organisations understand and engage teens and young adults. He is passionate about using his youth engagement expertise for the benefit of young people, and last summer published his first book, Destination Adulthood, an essential guide for young people navigating the journey from teen to adult. His agency, 1419, have helped many national brands and organisations to create and deliver their youth strategies, including the FA, Sports Leaders and the Canal and River Trust. So Graham is on the phone with me today. Hello, Graham. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, I'm good. Yourself? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah, a little bit. I think Storm Dennis is trying to rear its head again up here in the <laughs> I lakes. I think it is definitely. Well, I'm over in uh, West Yorkshire, so uh, we've been hit with it over the last couple of weekends as well. So, uh, yeah, we could oh. just do with getting ready for that sunshine now, I think. Exactly, haven't we just? I've got a friend coming in, arriving from Barcelona tomorrow, so I'm hoping that they don't arrive <laughs> and get back on the plane and go back in the other direction. <laughs> hey, so thank you for um, coming onto the show to share your um, your journey with us. So I'm going to kick off and, and let you take this take the floor. So Graham, what's your career story? Wow, I mean that's kind of quite a long one, really. I'm uh, I'm 50 next month, so it's interesting to be doing this at at, at this time because I've been I've been doing kind of a little bit of self reflection as I approach that milestone and kind of looking at aspects of my life and uh, you know I mean. I've even been watching kind of uh, this life has had a, a recent run on the TV and I've been watching that and thinking how I used to think that that was so aspirational uh, living in a house in London and being a professional and watching it back now thinking God, what was I ever thinking I, I could think of nothing worse than that uh, but yeah and also kind of with within kind of more recently looking with one of the contracts that we've had has just uh, come to an end uh, and it's going to sort of change the way that it that it works. So kind of been looking just at what our business model is and what we want to do with that and the sort of type of clients that we want to work. So it's kind of a good time to to maybe have this kind of recollection and self-reflection and, and maybe enough an element of therapy as well in terms of going through it. Uh, I think my journey starts in kind of the mid 90s, uh, sorry, mid 80s, really. I went to a, uh, a comprehensive school uh, in a pretty deprived area I think I was looking up recently it's now termed uh, a lower layer super output area which I, I believe is pretty much as, 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 as kind of as deprived as it can get Goodness. whereabouts uh, in Yorkshire is that great uh, that's in that's sorry yeah that's in Huddersfield in Huddersfield uh, okay cool yeah so uh, so I grew up in that uh, school on the edge of kind of quite a large social housing estate uh, where I think everybody, the average uh, A level, oh, sorry, average GCSEs that people left with was about four, and mm. typically that's what I left with. So uh, of which one of which uh, wasn't English. So I was kind of came out of uh, uh, came out of school for GCSEs. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to get into the local sixth form. Uh, although those grades that I have now wouldn't allow me to get in there, I did uh, two GCSEs, one of which was in English, mm-hmm. two A-levels, uh, and general studies. I know on one of your earlier podcasts you talk about not, 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 not being able to validate general studies because they wouldn't count it for university, but I, I cling on to that as my third, my third A-level. Uh, but a reset English uh, passed my A-levels with Ds and Es, uh, and whilst I kind of briefly flirted with university or perhaps more likely polytechnics, it, I really kind of decided that it, that really wasn't a route that I wanted to go back, uh, to go down. Uh, and kind of looking back at that and that sort of decision-making as, uh, you know, in terms of kind of questioning my journey. And uh, I think I was kind of quite lucky because what I lacked academically, I, I really made up for in, in having kind of work experience uh, and, and in kind of employability skills. Uh, 
I'd always worked, I'd always had part-time jobs. So I had a, kind of a part-time job as a petrol pump attendant. Uh, so I was dealing a lot with dealing with money, dealing with customers, uh, skills that you don't realize at the time, but actually looking back were kind of really important. I'd done work experience in a couple of banks uh, and, and I'd even got a, a leadership qualification with uh, an organization called Sports Leaders who kind of 30 years later, I would actually be running the marketing for at one point, which is kind of quite a, bit, a bizarre journey in itself. But I didn't realize, but actually kind of finishing those eight levels, I was quite employable. And as a result, I went and got a job at the uh, Halifax Building Society as a cashier on the front line there. And, you know, as everybody said, well, great, that's a job for life. You're not going to need to worry about that anymore. So mm -hmm. I loved it there. It was brilliant. I, you know, the people that I worked with were fantastic. It was a really great culture. We had a Sunday football team. I was earning money and I was, mm -hmm. so spelling, I was earning it, but I was spending most of it on going to gigs and buying records and things. And, and for a couple of years, it was just brilliant. But around about 1990, we kind of hit a recession. And, you know, that stopped overnight promotions or anything. And I got my first taste of uh, kind of uh, job appraisals and uh, very much, well, we're having to review what the organization's doing. And at this point, I was pretty much due for a, uh, a promotion, which I was uh, overlooked for. And as well as that, the kind of Financial Services Act and things which were coming in at the time, pretty much just meant that my job was selling credit cards to old people and and i hated that and i really really kind of despised having to do that uh and and so one lunchtime i went to the local career center made an appointment went and sat down with them and said i don't think i'm doing don't think this is what i want to do i really want to go and do some sort of marketing qualification can you recommend a, a, a course that i could do at college uh, on a sort of on a night or on an evening that had helped me be able to do that and the person there just said no you need to go and get a degree that's really the route that you need to take so I went home so I'm still only about 20 at this stage living at home and mum and dad went back talked to them and said give for some careers advice they think that I should go and do a degree but that would mean giving up this job going and not earning the money for three years and they just sort of said fine yeah go and do it which was really really great for me and pretty much at that point i decided right that's what i'm going to do so 1991 i started at trinity and all saints college and did a degree in business studies and media uh, which again i was just like a kid in a sweet shop i i still to this day can't get my head around uh, lots of my fellow students that were there to drink and do all those things that people do at university, but you know they, they wouldn't go to lectures, they wanted to be home by sort of lunchtime if they did come in. Whereas for me, I think because I'd done nine to five as a job, suddenly there were all these toys to play with. There were TV studios, editing suites, radio studios, just things that you could go and play with and just, just, just mess about with really. And I was absolutely, in my element there and I, and I loved it and I loved the whole kind of media and all those aspects of it uh, and you know I managed to do things that I didn't expect to be able to do I, I, I made and pressed a 12 inch vinyl record uh, complete with we even mixed a kind of dance remix that we put on the back of it I kind of became editor of our uh, entertainment magazine which meant I didn't really pay for any records or gigs for two years while just got guest lists and things like that into to getting into places uh, and I even learned how to email and what the internet was because this is the early 90s where none of that really existed uh, and it was just a kind of great time for me and, and and just opening my eyes to what the what kind of potential jobs and, and what was actually out there uh, I also I also met a girl which is kind of what you do or or you know met a partner uh, and her family ran a printing business up in the northeast and you know we've been up to see them and they as we kind of came towards the end of the uh, uh sort of my college course they were saying as a, they ran a printing business and that digital print was on its way they needed to uh, 
kind of promote themselves in a slightly different way and have a kind of slightly younger aspect to it and asked us if we fancied setting up a marketing company uh, as a, almost as a front end to their business. Uh, I didn't have any other options at that time, so I thought, well, that's, that sounds good, we'll do that. Uh, but I insisted that if we were going to set up a marketing company, that we wouldn't have handouts from their parents or from her parents, that we would try and run it and we would run it and make it sustainable on our own. And that really was my only uh, kind of caveat to doing it. Uh, in hindsight, probably one of the worst decisions that I've ever made because for three years we made no money whatsoever. We did everything wrong, made every decision wrong. It was just an absolute sort of, you know, an exercise in not how to be or how not to be self-employed. Uh, Somehow in the middle of it, I did win a Shell Livewire Entrepreneur of the Year Award, which I don't really quite know how we did that. Uh, but it was just a kind of fairly manic time, really. And, and after three years of, of things not working and not really earning any money, I'd, I'd kind of had enough and decided, right, well, I, I'm going to return back to West Yorkshire. So I, I kind of came back down, came back down on my own, looked for a, another job and was fortunate enough to become a marketing advisor at the Calderdale and Kirklees Training Enterprise Council and where they were largely responsible for marketing apprenticeships and business link. So after three years and three years you'll you'll discover becomes quite a magic number in, in my life. I, I really in my early years only used to do everything for three years. I worked for the bank for three years, went to university for three years, uh, uh, lived in the northeast for three years. But I came back down and was sort of working in the kind of uh, apprenticeship sector and business link sector. And just really, again, getting back into enjoying doing marketing again. Uh, as we were coming towards that three years, it was clear that the government had a different agenda around how it was funding uh, business support services as well as apprenticeships. Uh, and it looked like the organisation was, was going to be sort of shut down and, and, and restarted as something else and I didn't really want to hang around doing that and, and that insecurity especially as I'd only been there for a short period of time uh, so I left to become a marketing manager at a, a picture frame distributor randomly uh, again I thought I could change the world through that I'd be able to do lots of good work it'd be a good uh, different sort of string to my bow but kind of in hindsight they were looking for more of a sales manager whereas I was looking <laughs> I was looking for a marketing manager role and after a short while or after a year or so uh, again I realized that it wasn't going to work out uh, so I took a week off to look for a job and during that week uh, they issued me with a redundancy notice so which in a way probably pushed me rather than me jumping but Again, it wasn't on my terms, so it wasn't kind of particularly ideal, especially as I didn't have anything else lined up at the time. So, you know, being quite a positive person, I took this as an opportunity to reset and kind of find something better and find something that I was really going to enjoy. Uh, I had, in the meantime, I had to sign on. So I kind of did that first trip down to the job centre where you kind of feel a little bit aloof from it all and think that you're maybe better than that and that you know it's only temporary sort of went for my first meeting told them that I'd applied for lots of jobs in the media guardian and that you know it will only be a matter of time before somebody takes up my services and then you realize after the second the third the fourth trip there where you're signing on and all of a sudden they're asking you if you've got any any interviews and you haven't that I actually was becoming part of that system and that I was actually just genuinely unemployed and and, and so I came back home and literally wrote a list of every single person that I knew and rang them up and asked them if they had any work or if they knew of anybody else that had some work. And unfortunately, one of them did. And they offered me, they were running a European project. They needed a little bit of marketing support on. So they gave me two days work. And, and in fact, they gave me two days work at, and paid me £250 a day to do it, which from going from being completely unemployed to, to that was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, while I was there and doing this job, I bumped into somebody else who I half knew, 
they said, oh, if you're doing two days for them here, we could just do with somebody that needs a couple of days uh, working, uh, working with us. So I went and met with them and they were uh, an apprenticeship uh, provider. Uh, they were going through a change of chief executive. They were going through a pretty much a full, or an, they needed to go through a fairly large rebrand and market, remarketing exercise. So they said, oh, could you come in and do that for us for a month? So I was like, yeah. So, and they were going, they, they sort of, well, what, what are the other people paying you? And I said, they went, well, yeah, well, we can, we can do that. So I was suddenly on, <laughs> gone from being completely unemployable, unemployable to sort of earning kind of, probably more money than i than i'd ever done at any time and, and and kind of not far off since really but uh it was kind of i suddenly thought well, actually maybe there's a job here maybe i could become self-employed again uh you know and started looking at that as a as again as another kind of potential route and and don't get me wrong the the, the income didn't last for very long and i can still remember the interim chief executive coming in and sitting me down and saying, we'd not quite realized how many days we'd given you and how much, how much we were paying you and that I was currently the highest paid person within the organization and that <laughs> we're gonna have to, how they were going to have to re, relook at that. And I was thinking, well, I'm amazed it's taken you a month to realize that. But, uh, so, so they cut my hours down, but you know, it was still, it was still kind of quite good. And they were, you know, they, they uh, the, the first contract that I had was kind of maybe for a year or so. Uh, this contract was kind of ongoing and was a rolling contract. So I had a sort of steady stream of income. Uh, I was I was technically self-employed, even though I really I just had two jobs. But it was. Uh, uh, but then I just started to pick up extra bits of work here and there, and all of a sudden, you know, I had half a dozen clients that I was working for, and 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 kind of doing okay and. Uh, you know, doing okay to the point that I was able to buy a house, uh, get get married, and do things like that. Uh, so that just sort of started to sort of tick along, really, and I didn't really give too much thought to it. I was doing a lot of work with a design company, and I could see that I was giving them a lot of work uh, uh, in, in terms of from my clients. I thought, well, I could really do with having a little bit of that. Uh, so I sat down with a design company, and we 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 merged our organizations together, uh, which again worked for a bit uh, until kind of maybe two or three years after we'd been doing it and things weren't kind of quite working out. And it's probably me being one too much of a kind of control freak. And all of a sudden now I was running this with, with, with two other people and wasn't necessarily going in the way that I wanted it to. So we, What's the phrase? We uncoupled. <laughs> uh, we kind of went our separate ways. By that point, I sort of took the clients that I brought or that I was kind of working closely with. Uh, so I, I set up again, coming out of that, but this time with some staff. I had a, an office manager and a graphic designer. Uh, my wife was working in the business as well. So we'd all of a sudden came out of that with a little agency team and uh you know we just and again that just started steadily trying to build up and that was doing really really well until probably about 2000 2010 uh when the world's financial markets collapsed and we lost three clients in a week uh and they were three of our main clients as well and it was just such a horrible horrible time i mean don't get me wrong it was horrible for the companies as well and and i mean and and, and lots of people lost their jobs uh, as as a result of it but we went from having a a, 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 a sort of a, a, an agency of, of four people down to uh, me literally running the business from the uh, kind of back bedroom of our house again just and mm. just doing everything and anything to earn a living really because by now I had a family uh, so I wasn't just doing it for me and where it didn't really matter all of a sudden I've got kind of four mouths to feed uh, and a mortgage to pay and all of those aspects of it yeah uh, I would guess so, at that point uh, as well there might be something I don't know that 
might i'm thinking about what you've just been saying about being made redundant and going to the job center and stuff there must have been potentially something in the background of you thinking oh no it's happening again i don't want that to happen which is an added pressure i guess De definitely and you just yeah you know obviously you're self-employed as well and it's always you always you know people i i, I see quite a lot that oh you should become self-employed and be your own boss and you're in control and and you never are because you're completely and utterly in the hands of clients and the whims Absolutely. of you know in this case financial markets so, so in a way you have less control uh but it's yeah it it it, it maybe i'm not I, I don't really know whether or not it got to a point where i sort of thought that everything would uh, you know everything would disappear i think because i now had some some clients and and contacts and perhaps a little bit further on than I than I'd been previously. I, yeah. I I knew more people, so it was a little bit easier to to mitigate that risk. Even if uh, all of a sudden people are starting to not spend money again, and and I think that was kind of quite noticeable as, as well. It was kind of around sort of starting those conversations around austerity and so on and. And I do a lot of work in the public sector and with public sector organisations. And I think they were starting to begin to be hit and being asked to look at budgets and so on. So it was a really, I don't think anybody was having a particularly happy time at that point. Uh, we were all literally just doing everything that we could to, uh, to, to, to kind of keep our heads above water, really. Uh, but as always, uh, you know, there's always you always just keep looking and looking for those opportunities. And uh, I was part of a local business group, and uh, shortly afterwards, the group that I was part of had a, a kind of a, a, a presentation by what was actually turned out to be my local high school, and they'd received some initial funding from the uh, Department for Education to examine the possibilities of setting up as one of the first studio schools in the country. Uh, a kind of a model that was very much about vocational education, certainly between being 14 and 19. So uh, very much around bringing employers in, getting young people to work with employers uh, and to maybe structure, certainly was at the outset, to structure some of those lessons around more practical and more less academic themes. So I was kind of liken the idea being that rather than studying Shakespeare per se as, a, in a, as, a, as an English lesson, you might actually have to write a press release for maybe one of the Shakespearean plays openings. So you'd actually still have a little bit of that, but you would be writing more practically about something that you could maybe understand or designing a poster or so on. So you're still getting some of those English skills but actually just not being maybe overwhelmed by something kind of completely alien like Shakespeare, especially in the school that I went to. Uh, you know, we, I think we did Romeo and Juliet for about half an hour before it descended into a pencil fight. And then, and then they just <laughs> made us watch uh, sort of uh, 60s black and white northern kitchen sink dramas for the rest of my English education. So uh, I could talk at great length of uh, A Taste of Honey, but I know nothing about Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so it was great to be able to go, kind of go back to the school and to work with them. And, and obviously I was looking at it from a kind of commercial point of view as well as uh, the opportunities for the school. And uh, I built a good relationship with the head teacher there and, and some of the steering group team. And, and eventually they, they gave me a little bit of development budget to look at maybe how the school could be positioned uh, how it might engage with stakeholders, what stakeholder relationships it has, whether employers would be interested, how employers could become involved with the school. Uh, and I, I sort of went away and kind of formulated this fantastic proposal that I presented to the steering group. And that was that uh, attached to the school, we could build this kind of uh, uh, this like a, a marketing agency where get the young people involved, businesses could come in, they could do research with the young people, they could get young people to co-create with uh, campaigns and work on uh, projects and really just kind of provide this experience and just get young people building contacts and so on. Mm. Uh, 
And I was so excited about this presentation. I presented it to the steering group and it just fell completely flat. It was like people just looked at it as if to say, this is a school, how is that going to work? How, how are we going to do that? And I was so kind of frustrated and came home and vented my frustration at my wife. And, and, I, and I can still remember now sit, having those conversations in the kitchen about how, sort of how disappointing it was. And, the, and I can remember jumping off the kitchen surface and, 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 and sort of onto the floor and sort of saying, do you know what? Sod them. I'm going to do it myself. And, and there and then, that's how I decided that we were going to form 1419. Didn't really know how we were going to do it, but I knew that, that there was something there as a, as a business model in terms of working with young people. Uh, kind of work, went back to the school again over time. We built a relationship. They needed to demonstrate that they work with employers. Uh, I suggested that they could do that if they gave some uh, office space to employers. Uh, which and when I meant employers I kind of loosely meant me so they gave me uh, a classroom to work in and to set up as an office I employed uh, two young people uh, one one of which uh, was a, a student that was at school one of which uh, was a university graduate and, and the three of us and we we effectively built this business up positioned it as a, a an agency around young people wasn't really anybody doing that at the time uh, so we, we kind of we, we talked about it and, and, and through the links through the school and sort of slightly wider all of a sudden we started to get work from people like Pearson Education and from uh, from going asking to do guest speaking and consultancy work with other schools that were looking to set up and all of a sudden this kind of idea that I'd had and decided to do in the kitchen suddenly started to turn over more than the other bits of business and was really sort of starting to stand on its on its own two feet and you know, we just kind of kept that going and and over time we actually uh, you know I was always clear that I wanted it to work with big national organizations and it would become a, a, a kind of national organ national brand itself uh, you know, we, we started working with people like the, the Football Association Canal and River Trust Sports Leaders UK real organizations that that, that had a, a product that they were looking to engage with young people uh, and, and, and like I say, over the last kind of few years, that's really, really built up. And, you know, we, there's always a few wobbles along the line and you take a, a step back. But, but generally that push has been, uh, been forward. And uh, last year I decided to sort of try and pull some of those thoughts together. And again, as a kind of half new business tool, half just get lots of thoughts and ideas and things out of my head. I... Uh, I wrote a book and, and we published that last summer uh, as Destination Adulthood as a kind of guide for young people and uh, and that's been really, really well received. So we kind of start that new decade, if you like, the 20s uh, in kind of quite a positive place really and, and really looking forward to what those challenges might bring in the future. Gosh, I mean, there, there's so much that you've done there and hearing you articulate it. And I mean, I, I only knew the snapshot of 1419, really, because that's how we first met when I was working yeah. Yeah. back at EY. And I know, um, I remember last summer when I saw you publish the book and I remember writing down in my notepad that, sadly, I don't have with me now, but it is in London. I do, it does exist. <laughs> go and writing down Graham Sykes has been like, right, a guest for the second season of the podcast. Um, once I've got this off the ground, so it's great to be talking and hearing yeah, it's good to do what it. you've done. And um, I mean, what's what's the reception been for the book so far? So I've got a copy here with me, and as I said before we started recording, I started reading through it, and it's, it's just a really great tool. It's one of those things that I think that if I'd had it when I was looking at kind of my options 20 years ago. And I call my own epiphany moments, I suppose, around my which career, no idea um, syndrome, as I call it. And I think things like this just didn't exist when I was 14. I, no, and, and obviously they didn't when, when I did as well. And yeah. I think, I just think the, you know, the more that I, you know, I do a lot of work with young people and we run focus groups and we talk to them. And I, I find that, just so many of them just don't, aren't, aren't 
aware of the kind of potential careers. And I think it was probably a little bit easier for, for me when I was sort of 18, because there actually weren't that many jobs really. You, you know, you went and worked in a factory, you, you went and worked in a warehouse somewhere, you worked in an office, you worked in a bank. Uh, it just wasn't that many. And you almost knew whether you wanted to work outdoors or inside. Uh, you knew whether or not you wanted to uh, do heavy labor, which is not something that I wanted to do. And uh, so it was kind of quite easy. And then you just applied for jobs. Whereas now there are so many different types of jobs, even within various sectors. And I, I think that 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 has almost passed uh, and gone past people's knowledge of what those careers are. So even, you know, I know a little bit about careers and uh, like I said, you obviously do as well, but you know, there's probably, even if we just take football or television, there's probably a thousand different careers that you could do within that sector, you know, ranging from, you know, a, a kind of, heavy lifting, jobs, set building, all the way through to marketing jobs and camera work jobs and so on. And, 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 and nobody knows what those jobs are. And, mm -hmm. you know, nobody, nobody can say it. And I think that young people are, are really reliant on their influencers and the people who they get that information from. And, you know, when, 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 when myself, I, you know, I'd struggle to say things like that and tell them the full kind of range of careers. Then you can see how people who who would have no idea now how again that then becomes a, a a challenge for a young person who who doesn't know what they want to do and doesn't know what jobs are even out there. Or uh, so it's 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 very much a challenge for young people. And I just hopefully through the book, I wanted to sort of try and guide people through that, that, and I think you've talked about it on other podcasts as well, is that not just going straight to the, 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 the final page, if you like, that actually mm -hmm. you do have to go through the various stages. You have to think about things. You have to examine, you have to do a little bit of work yourself around research and potential jobs, but you can get jobs that you like in areas that you're interested in. And I think that's, one of the uh, sort of aspects that I don't think young people do pick up on is that actually kind of understanding the things that they like and that there's actually potential jobs in that area and and, and that's that's something that I really sort of trying to kind of convey to within the book is that you know you don't have to just do any old job you can you could actually do something that you really enjoy and you know I I enjoy my job you know again there are there are good days and there are bad days within it, but you know, for for the purposes of today, I thought, oh well, how many days have I actually been? You know, not days. How many years have I actually been self-employed? I've been self-employed for twenty-one years that I've earned a living from, and I have to say, by the early years in the northeast, uh, you know, I kind of. You know, I, there isn't really a day that I don't enjoy. I, you know, I, I look forward to days. The days are always different. I get to work with lots of different people, work on lots of different projects, speak to lots of different pe people, and do things that I've never done before. I've never done a podcast before. I don't really know how you do a podcast, but it's a new experience, and it's mm -hmm. something that you know. You, I'll sort of mention to friends. Oh, I did a podcast the other weekend, and, and they'll look at me as if to say, "Well." how do you get to do a podcast what does that you know and, and, yeah. and it's and it's it's just one of those things that well actually it's it's just talking to somebody that i know on the computer <laughs> but yeah. it's it, it, it's actually it gets built up and it and it becomes something and it becomes you know we i think we try to package things more uh complicated and try to make everything sound more exciting than it than, than the reality of that actually is and i think if young people understand what the reality is of of sort of certain jobs then they'd be able to get a lot easier grip on things i think they would and you know what graham well hearing you say it like that i think sometimes there's a lot of um employers and it's it's where a lot of my conversations happen as well since i've started working for myself and just decided to very very quickly with that I'm 18 months into my journey, so it's great to hear from somebody like you that's 20 years in there and appreciates that it's not always good. 
um, but is happy on the journey that they've taken. So it gives me some reassurance there for the <laughs> days, when, days when I'm going, what are you doing? Um, oh, so. yeah. Well, we, 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 we all are that. We, we, you know, it, it is, and I think that it's it's difficult. That's because it's quite, it's, it's usually quite lonely, and that you're, yeah. you know, it's 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 quite often that you're not on the journey. Sort of, you know, I've, I've I've done it as a journey as a group of three, and done it as a journey on my own, and you know, there's there's pros and cons on both sides, but it's you know, it's 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 much easier when you are on your own. But that does come with that you take everything and every decision. On your own shoulders so you have to kind of yeah. carry all of that all the time so yeah it's it is it is it, it is it isn't all great but but you know i think ultimately if it, if it wasn't great i wouldn't be doing it and i would have gone and sort of packed it in and gone and done another job or i'd have done something else but you know like I say i look back and think well 21 years and i'm still doing it so it, it it, it, it must there must be something that I, you know, there's something good about it which i, I you know i, I know that there is because i do you know i do enjoy my uh, I, I do enjoy what i do yeah exactly and it comes across so obviously hearing you talk about it as well um and i think going back to that point you're saying about kind of like getting young people back excited about the world of work i think one of the challenges often when you're working with employers and i think you be surprised if you haven't encountered this is that what what they um sometimes think is exciting um or an exciting way of saying something to attract somebody towards let's say an apprenticeship opportunity is couldn't be any further from what a young person finds interesting so i think the work that you do with 14 19 just taps so obviously into young people and what they want that there should be more organizations that are actually taking that opportunity to have a conversation with young people and use that to inform their talent strategies rather than presuming that they know what people are wanting yeah absolutely and i, I mean the problem is is that uh, young people just don't have work experience and yeah. you know I'd, as much as i'd love to be able to solve that you know there's that the, the work experience at, at, at school is, is, is difficult to organize. Uh, young people can't get job, can't get part-time jobs because of the way the economy is run and everybody that's a grown-up is, you know, if you're in a kind of gig economy world, then you're running three or four jobs and those are the part-time jobs that perhaps traditionally uh, younger people would have got. And if you're an employer, who are you going to employ? Are you going to employ the person that's, 30 years old and has a car and can get to work or are you going to employ the sort of 15 16 year old who you know is still not really worked out if that's what they want to do so you know i have some sympathy for employers but and i think you have to sort of look at it pragmatically and say well actually you know it's it's not in their interest to employ young people i think but the problem then is for young people is they don't get to find out what jobs they don't want to do and 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 I think I, you know, I, I kind of hear people say, you know, well, oh well, I did some work experience and it was just boring, and they, and I did this, and it's like, well, that job might have been boring. <laughs> That's not all jobs. Uh, maybe mm. that it's just that you're not cut out for for that job, and that you'd be better doing something different. But you know, but equally, I think young people have to, uh, they have to be equipped with those skills that enables them to to evaluate what that work experiences is that they're going to get and, and, and understand that they have to, uh, you know, that they have a part in that and that, that it's not going to be handed to them on a plate. And, uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation recently with a, uh, a, a sixth form college and was talking to, talking to a, uh, a, a teacher there and we were sort of talking about, students and, and, and equipping them with air levels and things and you know and, and i look back to my time where i struggled because i didn't really want to put the work in i wasn't really equipped for for working uh, sorry for for academic life and uh, you know, I, I didn't used to read around the subject I wasn't a great reader i didn't i did the bare minimum to to get through the bare minimum now with within within some colleges is that they literally give them handouts of the entire work so they don't they really have to just read a handout and they're just solely doing everything for them 
in order to enable them to pass exams. And so they're not getting any of those kind of additional skills of, I used to have to go to a library to get various pieces. I had to find a I had to find information out. Whereas young people don't are losing those skills because certain colleges are are just putting them on a uh, on a, a, a treadmill, if you like, just solely to pass their exams. So those young people just don't have the skills to even know how to get the most from work experience. So it's a t- kind of terrible, vicious circle that, that that they're in at the moment, and and, and one that I don't overly know, kind of how how you get out of that without radically changing the curriculum and the syllabus and, and and introducing those employability and life skills into into that kind of daily daily school life really yeah and you, you're absolutely right and it was a, it's touched upon with um this week's episode of the the pod so this come out with uh, Catherine Jenick who I met through Twitter originally I think it was um she's launched a a card set which is around um looking at your strengths and what careers that fits into but she she put a question back on me um around why i left teaching and it was exactly for the reasons that you've just been talking about there i was i got really frustrated that there were massive opportunities sometimes where i could be going into work one morning and reading about a natural disaster that had happened um, and as a geography teacher, that's the kind of stuff that makes you go, oh, my God, I've got an example that they're actually going to understand. But then you're told you've got to teach something completely different that day. Yeah. And you're also looking, you're trying to give them, oh, I used to give my students, I try to give them so many opportunities to develop that independence of thought piece. But then you'd, it was heartbreaking because then you'd watch them fail because they couldn't do it. Yeah. So then you'd have to get the worksheet out or give them scaffolding. And then you, it, it just feeds into that teach for the test mentality that just isn't helpful, doesn't help young people to kind of make the, connect those dots up and, and look ahead with some kind of positivity. And I'm not saying that in terms of that every young person is completely negative and feels helpless, but I must kind of, and make the presumption that a lot of young people probably do feel quite helpless when it comes to careers because there's so much out there that they just can't make sense of it. So I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not the students who have uh, parents who are looking out for them or parents that understand the importance of kind of, uh, kind of careers information and support information. It's, it's the ones that, that, that lack that support. Uh, I've been doing, doing, doing quite a lot of research and just trying to get an idea of the picture of uh, you know, what the landscape's like for young people. And, and one of the kind of scary figures that I came across is that uh, there's only 43% of uh, young people in the country uh, leave school with uh, GCSE in English and maths, which at 43% is, a, is quite a ridiculously low figure. And, and even worse when you consider then that that is the average. So in certain schools, it's a lot, lot lower than that. And actually, you're always going to struggle without that qualification. So it's just, it's important that, uh, you know, students kind of have that have that skill because if actually if you've not got those as uh if you've not got the qualifications and you don't have that knowledge around i said those employability skills and life skills that you need to survive like taking responsibility for your own actions and being able to go and research information and find things and you're just going to struggle and i think it's it's those young people that that almost just kind of descend into this vicious circle where you know what I'm looking at at the moment then is kind of maybe trying to find out how many of those young people can then become neat but you know some of the figures that I'm looking at by the time 23 you know 30 percent of young people at 23 uh, are, uh, are, are either unemployed or in part-time employment so there's only kind of uh, sort of 60 or 60 odd percent of, of young people who actually are in either I guess either in, in education but are in full-time employment which is kind of quite a scarily low figure really and, and one that kind of 
worries me quite a lot, especially as we kind of move forward. It, it is it is quite worrying, isn't it? But I I got hope, and I feel like the things like destination and adulthood, and having people like you behind them that know what the support that's needed is really important. So, just to wrap up the conversation, Graham. So yeah, what would be your best piece of career advice that you would give anybody that's listening? Uh, well, I think. I always remember a bit of careers advice, I say careers advice, something, and I think probably the reason why I am self-employed is a kind of a, a phrase that, you know, my dad would always say whenever he came home from work, presumably on the days that he'd had a bad day, and he would always say, you'll never make any money working for somebody else, you know, you, you need to be self-employed, and, 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 and I think he must have said that that many times, that that must have just become ingrained in my kind of belief of doing that now you know there are some days that I kind of curse him for that advice and say well I'm, I'm not convinced that you make any money working for yourself either but uh, I think I don't, in terms of a, a kind of a piece of advice for anyone else is I, I think you've just you really want to sort of try and find that job that you enjoy uh, you know uh, I think that's that's the key and I know that that is a luxury for so many for so many people but trying to find that and maybe just trying to understand what it is that you enjoy and that if you enjoy sport you you know there are jobs in in, in sport and and something that i do sort of touch on in the book is that i don't think that you can ever be afraid to to sort of reset and to to sort of take stock of things and say well actually do you know what this isn't working i need to do something else and, and maybe take that one step back but ultimately go two steps forward and that you know it's it, it it's always a really really hard decision when you do that but if you've got to support people around you and that you, you're kind of fairly clear in what it is that you actually want to do I, I think that 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 ability to to stop take stock and, and and change direction is is something that's open for all of us and that except it's it's much easier when you're younger than when you're 50 and you've got a mortgage and family and and so on you know it's very difficult to change what you do at that point but when you're 18 when you're 19 when you've not really got that many responsibilities in your life it's it's actually even though it can seem quite daunting daunting it's it actually is kind of quite easy to change really at that stage yeah i guess that's some great advice and i would expect nothing less from you graham <laughs> bless you Excellent. So thanks a lot for your time today. It's been really great to hear about your career story. Um, to everybody that's listening for this week's episode, um, thanks again for tuning in. Um, I'm always grateful for those of you that make the return journey back and also the new listeners that come along on the journey as well. Um, we'll put some links through to um, Graham's work, including um, Destination Adulthood, where you can go and get your copy. Um, and if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, please do leave a uh, review on your favourite podcast listening platform, whichever one that may be. Um, until then, um, it's bye from me, and thank you for joining us, Graham. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. You're welcome.